0: Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night! In New York, welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, September 20th, 2020. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Got a big show coming up for you tonight. Obviously, uh, a different tenor to this show because the Islanders' run is over, but we're going to go all over that. Greg Wachinski from ESPN will be joining us to talk all about it. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian... How are you? I'm doing well, Sean. How's everything with you? Uh, well, Christian, I'm all right. I'm all right. And I'll, I'll expand more on that because first I have to remind everybody that we're powered by Go Hockey Media. We are presented by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creator of the Born Rocker Session Ale, and official partner of the New York Islanders located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. Head on down to sample all their fine offerings in the tap room, open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating. We're also sponsored by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great people, and great Islander fans, and check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. And we're also sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800. They are from Long Island, and even better, they are diehard Islander fans. So, Christian, the Isle season is over. Yes. Yes it is. It's confirmed. My sources
1: have confirmed that too. Yeah,
0: it it went down in 6 games to the Lightning. They were an overtime goal away from forcing a game 7 where anything could have happened, but unfortunately, they did not get it done and the Isles exit the bubble of as one of three final teams because, you know, Vegas bowed out a little bit before they did. Uh, remaining with with a, a hell of a lot to be proud of. Uh, I wish we were we were here recapping an Isles game one versus Dallas tonight, but instead we will look back on the Isles playoff run and and how they made it happen. So to answer your question, how am I doing? <laughs> uh, life goes on, <laughs> as it should. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, it is it is just sports. It is just hockey, and I know some people might be groaning and being like, "Hey, what the hell, man?" But yeah, look. I got to look at it as a very bittersweet situation because not a lot of people expected the Islanders to get as far as they did. Uh, I certainly thought they could, and I was more than happy to be right about that. But, you know, look, when they get as close as they did to the taste of a Stanley Cup, even a Stanley Cup final, I mean, it's always going to hit you a little hard if if you're a big fan of the team. And that goes for, you know, whoever you support. So... Again, bittersweet. I'm um, I'm thrilled that they made it as far as they did, and you know I, I thought they they played some amazing hockey, and 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 I'm just a little bummed out that the, that they're out. But at the same time, I think this bodes well for the future. I think there's a lot to be excited about for this franchise. So I say, I own the country. Keep your heads held high because this is just the beginning.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are are taking that. Into consideration, and that's the point of view they have, I think, by the number of people that showed up to Republic Airport on Friday yeah, afternoon. Yeah, how about that, huh? That was that was something I don't think I even I expected. I, I was talking with you before we started broadcasting. Yeah, nice
0: job with the coverage there, buddy. Thank
1: you. And I, I really had gone down there on a whim. I saw it on social media. I was like, all right, if there's a couple fans, you know, it's not the greatest story in the world, but it'll be something I didn't expect there to be as many fans as there was. I don't really yeah, have a turnout. yeah, I don't really have an because 'cause I'm never great at guessing how many like I was the kid who could never guess how many jelly beans were in the in the jelly bar and the <laughs> Fair in a <enough>. jar. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's I'm not great with guessing. So I don't want to give out an inaccurate representation of what was there. But it was a okay. good sized crowd. Just look at the pictures. Yeah, just look on the look at the <laughs> pictures. There was a good sized crowd there. Uh and they were all they were all passionate. They were all and also it was interesting too. A lot of them were young. And I think part of that had to do with the fact that, you know, you know, people were out of school earlier and um, or didn't have to go to school in person that day, so it's a little easier for people in their you know teens and twenties to go down compared yeah. to someone who's a little bit older and has a full time job that they need to go to but it right, was certainly a right. good mix of people- but the noticeable thing about it was the fact that there were so many young people there um and not right, to sound like right. I'm ancient, but the point i'm getting, getting, getting to here <laughs> jerk the point I'm getting <laughs> to is that. It was a real testament to how appreciative they were, especially the fans yeah. that had never seen yeah. the Islanders go to the Eastern Conference Final in, in you know in their lifetime or, or couldn't yeah. remember it. The Islanders have been to an Eastern Conference Final in my lifetime. I couldn't remember it if I tried. So for uh, you know people, you're an embryo. So, yeah. <laughs> for people of that 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 generation and that you know that they have never seen this, and so they really really appreciate it, especially with everything else that's been going on in the world. Um, and it's been it's been a fun run for the Islanders. It's been a fun run, I'm sure for. Uh, you know, I can only speak for myself, but it's been a lot of fun to cover the team uh, through all this. And I think they've gone beyond anyone's wild expectations, myself included, because it's funny. I don't know if I told you the story. When we were putting together the idea of NYI Hockey Now, mm. um, when I was talking with, with the, that company, um, one of the things the, the the one of the head people was said was, you know, we're going to put this on the front burner because, you know. You know, God forbid the Islanders somehow go on a run to the Cup final, and I kind of, you know, I chuckled because I was like, you know, how dare you? They'll, they'll, they'll make some noise. It'll be, it'll be a fun time for Islander fans. Never did I imagine them going to the Eastern Conference final, but the way they played through the first couple rounds, you're like, wow, this is a team that's competitive. That's a team that's, you know, not just oh, it's fun. They're they're the underdogs. This is a serious team. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out going into the off season, but. Islander fans, the Islander team, the players, the organization has a lot to be proud of after this run to the Cup final, and I know uh, to the Eastern Conference final. I know that there's a lot of people who who have tried to poo-poo on that and tried to diminish what the Islanders have done from from whether different fan bases, whether it's different people who just followed this. You're always going to get that. Um, you know it's you know first of all, don't let them get to you. That would be my message to people listening. <laughs> right. Don't let don't take the bait. Um, yeah. because know that be, they don't they don't get it. Right, they don't understand the situation that the Islanders have been in for the last twenty-seven years. Uh, forget about the fact, for, you know, take away everything that's happened between the final cup year and then ninety-three. Right, just you focus on on ninety-three to two thousand and twenty. Everything that's happened with the organization, off the ice, on the ice, there is a there's, few things have yeah. happened in that time. Yeah, so this is <laughs> just a few. The the run here, I think, means more, even more so than that that. Eastern Conference final run in 1993 because it's it, the first time it's been it's happened in so long. It's the first time that people of this generation have seen it. Fans of this generation have seen it, right? Um, and it's a testament to the management shift and the the culture shift that the organization has gone through since John Ledecky and Scott Malkin have taken over, since Lou Lamarello and Barry Trotz have taken over. Um, I think it's just such a seismic shift uh, that yes. that if you're if you haven't been following it day to day. If you haven't been immersed in it, uh, as many Islander fans have been, uh, and the people that cover this team have been for as long as as long as we have, yeah. you don't necessarily understand it completely. To the average fan, it's just like, all right, it's a conference final run. and it's great, but why does it mean matter so much? Why do it's the same thing like when people don't understand why Matt Martin meant so much to the Islanders organization. It's the same right. thing when people don't right. understand like these little things. They mean more to this organization to the fan base. Because of the significance it has, uh, considering all the events that have happened around this, this this team.
0: Yes, it. I think this is really the the coming out party for this franchise to be once again taken seriously uh, around the league, around hockey media. Now it's going to take some a little longer than others. It always happens. I mean, look, the, the Islanders have kind of been a a favorite whipping boy of, of a lot of corners of the hockey media for a long time and, and I'm looking forward to talking to Greg about this stuff. But and I you know, you look at what they did this year, a lot everything that you just said, Lamarillo, trots on down ownership on down, as as I've, you know, sang the praises of many times on the show. But I think the fact that they finally went on what you could call a run. The fact that they got to game six of the Eastern Conference Final, and again they were a goal away from game seven maybe a game away from the cup at that point, uh, the cup final anyway. And I think the exclamation point on that is going to be the, the new arena opening. And then it's just, yeah, the New York Islanders are once again a legitimate franchise to be taken seriously. And and I think that the, the whole sideshow stuff is, is, is going to continue to disappear, and it's going to go by the wayside. and And this is a team that people are finally going to be talking about as – you know, just a competitive, you know, contender in, in the National Hockey League to be taken seriously where, you know, again, it may take some people a little longer than others, but they're not going to be picked for the base from the Metropolitan Division every season, every preview that you see. I mean, you saw it going into this year, right? And they weren't taken seriously even against Florida. Forget about getting past Washington and Philly. A lot of people had them picked to lose to Florida. And, of course, they look no no further than, the obviously, the skid that they went on, you know, at the end of the regular season. But that's just you know if you're an Islander fan you're just used to that you're you're used to being you know put down that way but it it, it it's turning now it's turning
1: yeah and I I think what's the old saying Rome wasn't built in a day and I think that that's <laughs> very fair uh, and very true for the rebuilding of the perception around the New York Islanders organization they went a long way when they got new ownership and that's not to take a shot at Charles Wong who did everything in his power to keep this franchise where it was and allow well. and allow for them to to be where they are now. Uh, and it started cases, there. It's yeah. it started there, and it started with the re re embracing of the history of the team by Malkin and Laddie, and bringing back the alumni and re engaging with that group. And then it and then it turned to the arena, and then it turned to the on ice product, and bringing Lou Lamorello and bringing Barry Trotz, and going forward and, and looking what the Islanders are gonna do. Um, I I agree. I think that. The biggest thing because you look at this moment and you look back at maybe two thousand thirteen or two thousand fifteen, right? The last two mm-hmm. times the Islanders really made some noise in the postseason or, or felt like sixteen, the, yeah. Yeah. Uh no, I'm I'm not even talking about two thousand sixteen. I, I mean two thousand fifteen. Okay. Um, 2016, when they went to game seven against the Two thousand sixteen too, yeah. You can include that there. Yeah. Um, because you obviously had a seismic shift in, in the roster that, that was there and then they, then you know well they, the they made
0: the second round for the first time it's right
1: but you lose yeah. all those those pieces you know you lose right post right, right the gotcha. point I'm getting at though is that those two those three moments were you know include the 2016 obviously mm-hmm. um, those two those three moments seemed like shifts in in how the organization was going to be run mm-hmm. the problem with that and with the problem with what happened with previous management is that they missed the mark they said, all right, this team was good last year, so it'll be good next year. And there were no right. real changes. Right. I think you look at what Lou Emeril has done, and, and the trade deadline is the perfect example now where he went out and he said, all right, we're a win-now mode. We're, we want to be successful. Yep. He went out and he got J.G. Pajot. He goes out and gets Andy Green. He goes and improves the roster. So the idea now that this is a, this is a turning point, a real turning point for the organization is a real thing because now – It's there's a proven track record that Lou Lamoriello isn't just going to sit on his
0: hands if he if he can make the organization better. No doubt about it, Christian. And with that, we got a break because Greg Wachinski of ESPN will be joining us. So, folks, I want to thank you once again for tuning into Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at hockeynightny.com. We'll be right back.
2: You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale and an official partner of the New York Islanders. Whether it's the Crisp Barn Rocker, Smooth Honey Ale, Savory IPA, or Gluten-Free hard Seltzers, Oyster Bay Brewing Company has an option for everyone. Located at 36 Audrey Avenue, the tap room is open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating, so you can experience all of Oyster Bay Brewing Company's excellent selections right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBaybrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code H N I N Y at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery.
0: The only thing better than a great Long Island Deli is a great Long Island Deli run by die-hard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss bagels, along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food clean atmosphere and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. want to place an order for pickup call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online blue line deli and bagels where the great selections will have you saying yes 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 Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, everyone. You are listening to Hockey Night in New York, and joining us right now from ESPN is Greg Wachinski. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Obviously, to the dismay of Islander fans everywhere, the Islander season is now over after dropping game six to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I just wanted to start there and start by asking you what you thought of the Islanders run and how they really, you know, they got to six wins away from from a Stanley Cup, which is, as everybody knows, a first time long time. (laughs) So just give your (laughs) thoughts on that and how how they were able to pull that off. Well, you know,
3: I had a theory going into this uh, bubble thing that the teams that played uh, sort of systematic hockey that could sort of rely on a defensive structure uh, more than anything else were going to have an advantage over the teams that maybe play a bit more of an emotionally connected style. Like you think of a a team like the Capitals, for example, that's a team that, that isn't a systems team. Um, they're a team that kind of goes with the ebbs and flows They're a team that feeds off the emotion of the game. And when you're playing in a hermetically sealed situation, I think it becomes hard to try to manifest that artificially in a, in a, in a bubble playoff. So when you looked at the Islanders and you looked at Dallas, uh, Arizona for a little bit, was that kind of team? Uh, even the Flyers had a little bit of that going. Uh, I thought those teams were going to have a leg up in, in this tournament, and, and I think in the Islanders' case, um, it, it went beyond that. They they got off to a good start, they gained some confidence, right. um, and then they they really you know perfected a formula during this tournament where they were able to really disrupt uh, what a lot of, uh, of, of of good good talented teams were trying to do offensively.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, and I think it's it's fairly fairly fair to say that through those first three series against, you know, Florida, uh, Washington, and Philly, where they kind of dictated those series. They kind of led the charge, and I think for the first time it was against Tampa where they were kind of in survival mode and playing catch-up, right? It was kind of Tampa's series to dictate. So with them ultimately taking it, I mean, what was it, I guess, that the Islanders were just lacking where where the run kind of came to an end, and what was it about Tampa that, uh, you know, kind of put things to an end for them?
3: Well, it's a it's a combination of two things, Um, and and it's one of the things that I think ultimately will lead to Tampa winning the cup. I I know Game One wasn't really much of a confidence booster to that end, but I, (laughs) I, I do think I do think that their journey in this playoff kind of was part of their overall education as a team, the Lightning. Uh, this season after what happened at Columbus with Columbus last year. Right. Like they weren't good in the first part of the season because John Cooper was trying to get them to change the way they play to not simply rely on their skill to, to figure out ways to close out opponents. And it took them a while, but then they put together a couple of winning streaks of like 10 and 11 games. And they kind of really started to get it a little bit. And then, you know, when they go through the Columbus series, when they go through the Boston series, they're learning how to scratch and claw and, and do what's necessary to score goals against really good defensive teams. And then on top of that, the, the little adjustments that they made in the off, in the offseason and then at the trade deadline, bringing in a Blake Coleman, bringing in a Bartley Goudreau, bringing in yeah. a Pat Maroon. I mean, those adjustments to their bottom six, I think, were also something that kind of enabled them to win tighter series, whereas they went against a defensive team last postseason and lost in a sweep. So from the Tampa perspective, I think that's what we saw. From the Islanders' perspective, you know, I think what you're seeing now in in Dallas should be the kind of, I don't know, aspiration for the Islanders. I mean, Dallas can play a a style of hockey that is equally as uh, numbing, let's call it, (laughs) as the Islanders can play. But they also have a collection of high-end skill guys yeah. that, you know, when you need a goal, will, will come through. So, I mean, they can play kind of rope-a-dope against Vegas and then, you know, know that Radulov will make a play or know that Ben will make a play or know that Geryanov, their rookie, can make a play. And, and so, you know, when it comes to the Islanders, it's like the, the sort of defensive counterpunch offensive thing, I think, works to a, to a certain degree. Um, but it, it, it really works to the point where you're now you're seeing Dallas potentially in line to win a championship when you can marry that type of hockey with the high end skill that can convert in those situations where you absolutely need to score a goal and, and really put your, your foot on the throat of of, of the of the opposition.
1: Greg, now we but the Islanders, at least they're going into the offseason. There's a lot of question marks with the team especially with the cap situation, like like a lot of these teams in the NHL, um, they're up against it. Uh, And it's the first time, you know, Sean kind of joked, first time, long time. It's going to be the first time in a long time that the Islanders have been in that situation going forward. How do you see Lou Lamorello managing um, the Islanders cap situation and and, and making them better and and getting to the next step?
3: Well, I mean, that's the scary part, right? Like for as much <laughs> as Lou's Lou's been able to do, I think in in making some smart decisions and and putting some pieces in place. I mean, obviously, when he took over the team, there were already some really good pieces in place and things some things in motion to make this the successful team that it's been. Um, but but he certainly you know augmented it in some interesting ways. You know, since he, since he came to Long Island, but. I mean, the the one flaw I think even some of Lou's biggest champions will say has crept into his game as a manager, you know, in the last fifteen years has been an inability to really manage the cap uh, in an effective way, you know, whether it was Jersey or whether it was in Toronto or or you know, hopefully not with the Islanders, but that's going to be the intrigue. I mean, you know, Lou Lou is as a capologist not necessarily his forte, and then on top of that, obviously dealing not only with the flat cap but the the financial realities of you know revenues basically stopping uh in, in March for not only the islanders but other teams and yeah. what the domino effect that's going to be
1: Greg, too I'm, I'm curious to get your thought you'' you're, you know outside perspective neutral party here um considering the islander success and mean um, we talked a little bit about last week's show is the um, credit that Garth Snow deserves for where the New York Islanders are now. I'm sure the most diehard Islander fan does not want to, want, want to give Garth Snow much credit for, for the way the team has been built, but how much credit do you think that the previous administration deserves for the pieces that were put in place for Lou Amaral and Barry, Barry Trotz to have, have the success that they have?
3: Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's always a tough call, right? Because like, when you see general managers get fired, uh it, it is because whatever they were doing wasn't working well enough right. to succeed, right? So like, you know, you could you could say uh you know that that some of the 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 younger players that maybe he he got in the draft or added to the organization uh that are now kind of blossoming. Uh you could credit that administration with having done that. Um, but you also can damn that administration for the coaching selections that they made and, right. and the trades that they made and things of that nature that ultimately ultimately led to the team not achieving really anything. So, you know, if you threw a Barry Trotz and a, a you know, a, you know, Barry's staff on one of those Garth Snow constructed teams, would the situation be different? Potentially. I mean, you could say that. I mean, maybe it was simply you know, that, that, that not being the case that led to some of those teams underachieving. Um, But, you know, at the same time, you have to say that through no fault. I mean, let me put it this way. (laughs) He he wasn't, he wasn't exactly uh, a victim of his own success. I I think Garth did some things that were really, really good. And I think that Garth did some things that were really specious. And, uh, and I think ultimately, like, you can maybe give them credit for some of the pieces that are in place, but it does take somebody that knows how to build a championship team. uh, And it does take someone to know who to bring in to coach the team uh, to elevate your team to being a a championship contender. And and it obviously didn't happen on, on Garth's watch.
0: I think that's a pretty fair assessment, Greg, um, so the Isles franchise as a whole has kind of been sort of a whipping boy for, for quite a long time when, when you look at like maybe the media and just people around the league. And in many cases, for good reason, there's no doubt about it. But you recently put out a piece this week uh, calling the Islanders the king of New York sports. Can you talk a little bit about that? And, and what does this season do for the Isles' perception around the league, you know, in the media and whatnot? Is this final, I, we were talking about this before you came on, and I, I feel like this may actually be the beginning of of the Islanders finally shedding that reputation of, of, you know, automatically being picked for the bottom of the Metro and always kind of being ignored as, as far as being contender Is, is it finally changing for the Islanders?
3: It could, you know, it's, I wrote that piece, uh, cause I was interested to see exactly. Cause I mean, as you guys know, I grew up in Jersey and lived in New York for a long time. I'm on the West coast. Now I kind of wanted to revisit like what the New York sports scene currently is. And, I felt comfortable writing it because you could make the argument that the Yankees are, you know, in in the conversation, obviously, and uh, and you know, as much as we everybody on this uh, on this call will lament it, the Rangers are probably going to be in the conversation the next couple of years <laughs> That's fair. with Lafreniere yeah. and all the guys that they have on that roster. It's just, just kind of the reality of our surroundings. Um, I, I, I mean writing that piece was, was easy because the Islanders could be it by default right now. Like the Yankees are in the conversation, but everybody else in New York's a tire fire. I mean, <laughs> yeah. unless, unless the, unless then that's you know, become something pretty substantial when Kevin Durant finally plays. But um, as far as what they are and as far as perception goes and all that, it's, it's tough to say, you know, I, I think from a stability standpoint, they're in a really good place with good ownership, with the building being built um, with, with, uh, with Lou there, with, with Trotz there. Um, with some good players on the roster, I do think that there is a certain amount of disparity that comes their way, and you definitely saw that in the postseason. The style with which they play doesn't have a ton of respect, right? Um, and, and I think that there's a sense of of how long can you sustain that. Uh, so I think there's a there's a hesitancy to really say this is the start of something brilliant mm-hmm. when some people maybe see it as kind of an aberration that they were able to play that style and advance as far as they did. Um, but I mean, you look at the ages of some of the guys in this team, uh, there is a nice sort of second wave now happening, you know, with Barzell being at the, at the, at the top of the list, um, that kind of gives you some encouragement. I mean, you know, but, but again, like when we talk about the Islanders being the butt of so many jokes, it's, it has been because they've never really been able to capture that, that, uh, sense of championship contention, you know, for more than maybe a year or two since the early eighties. But more than that, it's been. You know, the slings and arrows of people about, you know, criminals owning the team and the mismanagement <laughs> and uh, yeah. The, yeah. the Milbury trades <laughs> and everything else. And, right. and then and then eventually the Tavera situation and, and yeah. the reaction to it in the eyes of a lot of people was, you know, something that was should be maligned. I, I didn't think that at all. But um, so, you know, it's a lot of the sort of things that have happened to the organization. And you just hope now with with everything kind of pointed in the right direction with the with the Brooklyn debacle kind of behind them and with the right owners in place that, uh, that maybe these perceptions finally, uh, start to change, uh, you know, in a, in a pretty major way for them.
1: Yeah. I think it was fascinating because you don't see the Islanders on the back pages of the New York tabloids here a lot. You don't see them, you know, as the lead story on, on the nightly newscast when it comes to the sports sections of, of those, those, those broadcasts, or even, even being talked about on, on sports talk radio, which, which happened a little bit this, this run. um, How much does that go a long way to just changing the perception at the very least? Because you you know the New York market, you've been here um, in the past. How much does that go to change the perception among just the average New York sports fan, who obviously is tuned into the Yankees and the the Giants and those, but to get more eyes on the Islanders, and especially with this move to the UBS arena in in a year or so?
3: You know, it's funny. I, I think in some ways the better the Rangers are, um, the more attention comes to the Islanders. I, I think attention to <laughs> hockey raises the, the profile of all teams. I mean, you think about what happened in 94 um, and, and the fact that hockey just became the centralized conversation in, in the New York market for a couple of years. The Devils win the following season and uh, and probably got more attention as a franchise during that run than they got in any other other right. Yeah. I mean, just because hockey was was so much in the conversation. And I mean, they didn't have to go through the Rangers to win the cup that year. Um, and they didn't have to go through the Rangers actually in any of the years that they won the cup, which probably isn't coincidental. <laughs> um, but I think that as the Rangers get better and contend and Lafreniere maybe becomes the player that people think he's going to be, um, then that raises the profile of hockey overall. I, I you know, listen, it's a Rangers town, and, and I say that as a Devils fan. You guys know it as an Islander, as Islander fans. Right. It's just the way of the world, right? I mean, it's the way of the world because of where their games are, about who covers them, where the games are played. It just mm-hmm. it just is that. But the good news is that when they are a team that that uh, garners some attention, then if you beat them, <laughs> you know, in a playoff series, or if you uh, if you have a classic game in the regular season, then it, it does raise everybody's profile in the process. So they they're still kind of the the, the one that the, the team that stirs the drink for everybody, uh, in the market, uh, as far as attention goes. Right. And like you said, like the better they are, the more they get mentioned on sports talk radio, the more they're on the back page. And then the hockey's kind of more in the conversation, which I think is, is important. And I think it's something that's, that you can, you can feel the downtick when the Rangers are garbage, uh, for hockey attention in, in the city. Um, so hopefully as they get better and the Islanders stay good and maybe if the devil's can ever figure out their stuff for more than two minutes, then, uh, We'll have a real, uh, we'll have a real, a real uh, derby uh, going in the city again as far as who's going to try to win this thing.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny, too, because you know what? Uh, thinking back to the to the run, too, especially, and, um, maybe it's just a coincidence because obviously Mets and Islander fans are so um, equated with one another. But it, I feel like when the Islanders go on a run in this town, it's kind of like when the Mets go on a run. Like 2015 – everyone just became a Met fan you saw you know everyone just jump on the bandwagon and say all right let's go Mets." we want to see a new york team win and i kind of felt that this run was a, a, was a similar similar animal with how you had the governor you know wearing a new york islanders hat to a press conference you had you know the local politicians jumping onto it um so i, I agree i think that i think that that's a, a it's a good point and i think especially with the with the way the Islanders are it's did. It, it, I think it adds more attention to the sport because people are just like, "Oh, this seems like a fun team."
3: Yeah, and I wrote I wrote about that in my piece on ESPN, and it was it was the column this week, I think it was. So if you want to go check it out, it should be on the NHL page somewhere, um, or I could I could maybe tweet it out again at some point. But um, there are different kinds of champions in, in the city, and you have these dynastic franchises like the Yankees and the Giants, where. You know, maybe they go dormant for a few years, but then they win another championship or they contend for one. You're just like, all right, well, that's the Yankees, and the Giants. They usually have their stuff together. Yeah. You know, it's just every few years they just win something, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you have these other, you know, champions like the the Mets in 69 and the Jets in 69 um, that just kind of come out of nowhere and um, and they're unanticipated, right? And And I think that there's always sort of going to be a connection between – the New York sports fan and, and those franchises because of the infrequency with which they win. Yeah. Um, and so, and so when you, you know, when the, the last Islanders cups in the early eighties and they contend, then it becomes a thing of, Oh, co- this is cool. And now we're, all the Islanders fans come out of the work and, you know, when the Mets contend, or when the, if the jets ever contend, like it's gonna, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's these situations where, um, you know, it, it happens with such infrequency and there are so many fans of these teams that don't necessarily flaunt it um, until the, the bandwagon's open that it does have this amazing effect where the, the team really feels like it took it takes over the town. I mean, like, I grew up in, I, I, you know, I was a kid in the, in the 80s and the Mets won in 86. And um, I grew up at a time when the Yankees weren't good. Like, you know, they were okay. But I mean, it was the, the, the bad years of Steinbrenner and it was more about the scandals and all this other stuff. So growing up as a kid, you know, I had no concept of the fact that the Mets were just borrowing the town. <laughs> you know, like it felt like the Mets' town, because um, those guys are such rock stars. Right. So, yeah. Um. But 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 then you come to realize that well, you know, when the when the Jets are good and the Mets are good, or the, the Islanders are good. It's just sort of, you know, for for a few moments. So it's it's an interesting question, and I think that yeah, if the Islanders did advance to play for the cup, I don't know if the bubble would have had an effect on on uh, the the rapidness of, of how people would have approached that. Right. Um, I think it becomes a lot easier for people to be into it if they're all at Nassau and the place is rocking, yeah. and there's, you know, the local news are, are covering the tailgate parties and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, I think you would have seen that sort of moment of, of people coming to the Islanders again and just being like, okay, let's, let's jump back on the bandwagon. Now it might be time to celebrate this team again.
0: <laughs> for sure. Well, well, Greg, awesome stuff. Really, really appreciate you joining us and giving us some time and I uh, hope to have you on again in the future. Yeah. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Greg. Take care. All right, folks, that was Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer over at ESPN. Check him out. Does a fantastic job there and did a fantastic job on this. Yeah, that was
1: a great breakdown of
0: everything we could have imagined wanting to talk about There, Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's 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 you know, when he mentions the fact that maybe this would have just been a little more special if we could have been in the building. Right.
1: You know, that's something that I, I, Shannon obviously brought it up last week when she was on the show when right. we were doing it from Blue Line. And it's something that, like I said last week, it's something that I've thought about probably every round that the Islanders advanced. Like, this is great, but, like, imagine being in the building for this. This is great, but imagine imagine yeah. being in the building for a game six and being there it to cover been, it or it being there as a fan. It would have been, been bananas. It would have been it been control. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the one thing I, I guess if you want to take like a, a silver lining from all this, the Islanders will not win a Stanley cup without being in their own building or without fans being in the building. I would have taken
0: it though.
1: I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would have let me put it this way. It. I know every Islander fan listening to this right now would say, all right, yeah, that's great Christian, but we'll, we'll take it if they <laughs> yeah, want to win it this year. We're not going to say no, yeah. but I think that it. I think it would have lost some of its its specialness and maybe maybe I'm wrong it would have been special in its own way man. but I don't think it would have been the same if you don't if you don't if you're not there in the building, or if you're of not course. giving the fans the opportunity. And I think that was maybe the biggest thing, the biggest disappointment from this entire thing, is that, you know, you hope, obviously, nothing's guaranteed. So you hope that the team takes the next step. You hope that, you know, things fall into place where we're talking about this next year, and the Islanders right. are in a similar situation. But nothing's guaranteed in sports.
0: Yeah, you know, you look at the, they had the, the droughts up there for all the teams, right, that haven't been to the conference finals in this long. Look, you don't get there all the time. You know, you you build a team that hopefully has some longevity and maybe you end up in a situation like Tampa where they're in the Eastern Conference Finals every other year, whatever the case may be. But, you know, as far as this whole bubble situation goes, I think, yeah, it's a total bummer that Islander fans could not have been in the building, you know, seeing them get to the conference finals for the first time in forever. It would have been absolutely amazing but you got to keep things in perspective and remember that we're really lucky that this even happened at all. Yeah, no, that, no, I'm not. Again, I'm not trying to take away anything from that. No, I know that, I know that. But, but again, like, you know, I, I guess I'm just trying not to be greedy. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have been there, but, but at the same time, you know, again, I doubted that this was even going to be possible that yeah. hockey was going to be played again to wrap up, wrap up some semblance of the you know 1920 season. And the fact that it's it's happened it's a it's a there is a Stanley Cup that's going to be awarded in, in in very short order. Uh, again, huge testament to the league to the players for you know setting these rules, setting these boundaries, and following them. And and look, I mean, the fact that every week they were telling us no no positive right. tests. I mean, all great stuff. So yes, it's different. It's a shame that that you couldn't be in the building for it, but at the same time. You know, I think at the end of the day, the fact that, you know, most people had their HD televisions and they were able to watch this thing and, and just enjoy it. And and it it's interesting. It just kind of brought the Islander fans and the community together in a different way because everybody was kind of watching together. You know, social media kind of helped that. You know, like everybody was kind of enjoying it together from their own couches. And obviously some people were able to, you know, go to some establishments that might have right. outdoor seating and stuff like that. So, you know... Obviously not the best-case scenario, but the New York Islanders went to the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 6, and it was a blast. I thought it was a great run. I, I wish it went longer, but, like, I had such a great time. I enjoyed it so much, and and it's just nice to be able to to finally feel, you know, obviously good about a long run, but just positive for, for what's coming down the pike, too. I mean, you, you, you tease the whole cap situation before. It's obviously going to be an issue. It's it's certainly going to be something we'll be discussing on this show soon. But there's just a lot to feel good about. There's a lot to feel good about, and 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 it looks like, dare I say, we might be able to consistently feel good about this franchise. And that doesn't even necessarily mean making the Eastern Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup Finals every season. You know, yeah. who knows? They they may look injuries happen. They may skip a beat next season. The cap may end up being a total problem for this team this this off season. We don't know, but. To know that this team is in such great hands from the top on down, such great leadership, I, I think it's just for the first time in, in damn forever that, that Islander fans can kind of just feel good about supporting their team and not having to worry about all the BS that's, that's, that's come the sideshows and shit. Like hopefully, whoops, hopefully that stuff is. <laughs> We've just... made it. I don't
1: know how many episodes. And <laughs> I, I know I've, finally... caught, I've caught myself yeah. a couple times, almost doing that. You,
0: uh... it just felt natural, man. It just <laughs> it was a good run. <laughs> we'll have to start it back up soon. Oh boy. But yeah, I I just it, it feels nice to think that that stuff is 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 in the past, and you can just focus on what's happening on the ice. What's happening with your general manager and the and the and the roster and all that other nonsense, all that other noise is, is hopefully just getting further and further in the distance.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's the biggest takeaway. You see that um, there's a real appreciation from the fans who have followed this team through a lot of a lot of down the downtimes and seen some some good stuff, but you know a lot of downtimes, a lot of being the butt of the joke, a lot of being um, you know pawns in different in different. Political football games, um, especially when it comes yeah. to the arena. I think this is the first time where there was a real sense of of wow, like everyone really is, is just pulling for the Islanders. Like I was saying to Greg, like you know, when was the last time you saw a sitting governor for the state of New York? You know, even just bring putting right. an Islander cap on um, at a press conference or having it there on the podium. When was the last time you saw? This much enthusiasm from the Nassau County politicians around the franchise. I yeah. mean, there's obviously a much more important vested stake that they have now with the with the success or potential success of UBS Arena and the development around Belmont. But the fact that you're seeing such um, support on, on different levels that you just you didn't see before, I think, goes a long way. Even. Going as far as, as, or even as short as the Empire State Building, lighting up lighting up orange and blue a couple of times during the playoff run. Right. And not not red, white, and blue for the New York Rangers, which right. was an interesting thing as well. There has been a lot of little things that I think that unless you're following this team on a consistent basis, you don't understand or you don't appreciate. Right. I think those are the little things you're like, Wow. This thing, things have really changed. This is really bizarre. This is so far. You know
0: how bizarre it is, Christian? And this is true. Yeah. I've had Ranger fans, and not a lot, but I've had Ranger fans see me in my Islander garb and be like, hey, man, good run. I'm supporting them. And I'm like, what? <laughs> are, you, are you okay? Are you sure? But have yeah, you been drinking? I mean, that could have been the case. Yeah. But but look, I mean, I don't know. There's something about it. I think, I think you kind of hit a good point where there's something about – the underdog story, right? Yeah. And some people, you know what, and, and good for them that they can see past the eye on the range arrival and say, you know what, I support, you know, I support a New York team. My team's mm-hmm. out. That's cool. A lot of respect for that. I don't know if I necessarily <laughs> would be able to do that, but you know what, full marks to people like that. But, you know, yeah, you're right. Like, it seems like, you know, there is that just, total underdog situation with the Islanders for all the reasons we've, we've talked about and for how downtrodden they have been for, for so long and to see them finally come around to see them get some sort of success. You know, I guess that just kind of pulls people in, into the scene, right? It pulls people into the support. Well, well, that's the thing. Like,
1: I have never been approached by more people and people know like you know doing this as long as I have like people know I cover the Islanders I'm around the Islanders a sure. lot they understand that yeah. but I've never had as many people come up to me and talk Islander hockey before mm-hmm. oh what's going on with this you know what's going on tonight what do you think is right. going to happen today today in the game well that's as,
0: because you joined Hockey Night New York Christian I mean let's be honest sure sure I'll, <laughs> sure, I'll say that
1: but at uh, the point I'm getting at is not even it's not even let me put it this way it's not even people who we know are listening and enjoying what we're, what we're doing here because we do a phenomenal job here on uh, <laughs> hockey night <laughs> wow. in New York when it comes to there are a lot of great podcasts when it comes you to New your York Islanders, Islanders. I'm, I'm talking about both of us there's a lot of great podcasts that that are out there in the atmosphere sure. we, we do a great job um,
0: <laughs> thanks for getting that point across
1: all right proceed what I was trying to say is people who are not necessarily Islander fans are not necessarily big hockey fans coming right, up and right. having a real vested interest in the conversation well, yeah. wanting to know what's going yeah. on and, and appreciating what this team was doing Um, that is a first. That is a first-time long-time for me, anyway, because you don't see that—you don't see that passion just coming from the casual sports casual hockey fan here yeah, sometimes—and and that's that's a real game changer, especially when it comes to going to a new arena or when you have fans in the building for next season at some point, if, yeah. you're, if we're
0: lucky. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that who are go- going into the office for work these days. They're probably getting stopped by coworkers that probably didn't really give a crap about the Islanders <laughs> previous. Said, hey, look at your team. Look how they're doing. You know, people are taking notice. So, look. It took so much time for them to, I guess, become the 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 forgotten child of 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 New York sports and, and hockey and whatnot here in New York, and it's gonna take a little time to build it back. But again, I think this is a really good stepping stone, and it's not just a flash in the pan situation because, you know, look, we we even touched on the whole Gar Snow era and stuff like that. Like you know, maybe you look at the the 15 team, the 16 team, and and you see that they get to the second round. But you, maybe you still say to yourself, well, you know, how long is this sustainable with Gar Snow and Jack Capuano as 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 your leaders here? And, yeah. and, and again, I'm not trying to slight them in any way, but, you know, Greg, you know, put them side by side as well and kind of said, hey, look, Lou Amarillo is a guy who knows how to build a championship yeah. team, and Barry Trotz, he's won a Stanley Cup as a coach. So it's fair <laughs> to say that they're probably in better hands as far as that goes. <laughs> I don't think that's out of line. So I, that's, I think that's what's different this time around. Obviously, they get as far as they did for the first time in a long time, but because of the people that are that are involved in the franchise now, it, it makes you feel a lot more confident that this, this can be something that, that maybe starts to happen a little more often than it had in the past.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think, like I said before, I think the biggest difference and why I brought those years up was specifically because – those were years of missed opportunity, and that was the biggest thing from those years. Thirteen, that was a fun team, kind of the situation we had where no one saw this coming. Thirteen was the same thing; no one saw that coming, and that was a, a next year was a missed opportunity. Twenty fifteen, same thing. Next year, I mean, they made it. To the, I shouldn't say that. Sixteen really was the, the you know the following year was the missed opportunity. You know, they go to the, to the second round and then they don't you know they don't make any of the additions they need to they lose a lot of the core players that they that they needed to get there and the whole thing just blew up. So this is the first time where you look at a, a movement where the
0: Islanders have gotten better
1: and you expect them to stay better. You expect that progression to continue.
0: Agreed, sir. Agreed. And with that Christian, we got to take another break. So folks, want to thank you once again for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at hockeynightny.com.
1: in another country, you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So, Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516 856 7800. That's 516 856 7800. Or visit them on the web at tietechnology.com. That's tie, T I E technology.com. Tie Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service.
0: When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. If orange and blue are your team colors, visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code H-N-I-N-Y for 15% off your order. Yes Men Outfitters, stick to the system. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Good. Am I wrong? Yes,
1: we are. All right, wonderful. Welcome back to Hockey Night in New York. As always, I managed to mess up the re- reintroduction. Nicely done, Christian. didn't sound like the mic was on, and quite frankly, I don't trust you sometimes, so I think <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, it was on. I it think on. that's fair. The one thing, we were talking about Garth Snow before. The reason I wanted to int- bring us back was because I wanted to re- mention this real quick. We, we talked about Garth Snow briefly before with Greg, and, and when we were just now. The funny thing is... Thirty-one thoughts. Uh, Elliot Freeman, obviously a must-read for any hockey fan. Oh yeah, there was a little item there at the bottom that Garth Snow interviewed for the Florida GM job. Is that right? Yeah, it was just like a little mention there in the in the thoughts. How about that? It was down low. Obviously, he didn't get it. Uh, but it was it was interesting <laughs> that I didn't see that. It was interesting that that was the case. I really uh, I was a little surprised when I read it.
0: Well, good for him. It, yeah. Look, at least he's still
1: being considered. I mean, so is Peter Shirelli. So, I mean, in, in fairness, that doesn't necessarily mean much. But well, I thought that was a little interesting tidbit, considering the absolutely conversation. Absolutely, no.
0: Uh, you know what? I didn't get around to, um, to read that 31 Thoughts. I usually try to read because, as you said, it's, it's fantastic reading. But that's uh interesting nugget. Hey, look, again, good for him. You know, uh, maybe Islander fans aren't so keen on, on what he did well this year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't, can't say you don't have any good reasons for that. But, hey, you know. I mean, it would have been kind of funny if after Cappy – going to that's right Florida, yeah that, see that yeah. Garth goes in there, there too yeah i wonder what the um what the panther fan reaction would have been if he actually got the job i don't know i don't i mean uh, not I, our I, problem i can't imagine they would be too happy with that
1: <laughs> considering the
0: body of work he has had in other markets yeah but it is what it is it is what it is and who knows maybe he lands himself an assistant job somewhere maybe he gets another jam job i don't know but he's still in the mix I mean that's the first time that's you heard his name in, name in a long time, yeah. right?
1: I read that I was like, "Oh my
0: god." Yeah, how about that? <laughs> so, we we got about 12, 11 minutes remaining in the show and I guess we can we can touch on a little bit what actually happened on the ice this past week.
1: Yeah, we real. I will say we really did a lot of therapy. Like we, I know we have this the moniker in the in the in the imaging it's, about the Islanders therapy. That's we right. really did a lot of therapy tonight. <laughs> I feel like talking people down. Going, no, that's no, it's why good. Why we're here,
0: Christian. It's going to be okay. That's why we're here. Things it, are going to get better. That's right. That's right. Ride the high of getting yeah, to enjoy the conference it. finals and enjoy try it. to block out that low of of being eliminated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. Sean is doing that. That's that's not that's he's
0: talking from personal experience right there. I guess I I don't know. He was very blue, very sad. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I I've had a fine demeanor tonight. Fine demeanor. I'm I'm in good spirits. All things considered. So game four, Christian. (laughs) (laughs) So real quick, game four. Real quick. Started off. You know, look. Something about this playoffs with the Islanders is that it seemed like almost every first period of every game, not even against Tampa that it, they were just weathering the storm. Like, yeah. they got yeah. off to slow starts in almost every game. Now, granted, they, they what, they scored uh, about four minutes or so in to, well, I think, yeah, game six with Taves' wraparound goal. But other than that, I mean, usually they're getting off to, to slow starts and just kind of hoping that they're they're getting out of that period tied or ahead.
1: Yeah, but the interesting thing was that they scored first, I think, in five I, of the I, six I games? games.
0: two through six, I Yeah, believe.
1: five straight games they scored first, despite, yeah. uh, obviously, the... Serious issues in the first period at times where they were being outplayed by the
0: by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, they, no, they were, but I mean, just a the theme over the course of of all playoffs. But yeah, particularly, I mean, it's pretty much pretty much the same thing for all all three of these games that that happened this week was these slow starts and 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 weather in that storm, and you know, game four was just been just bizarre. Because you're watching that game. They they finally go up a goal in the second period off of that Brock Nelson goal. Yes, And you're feeling really good. And then 15 seconds later, I think Islander fans across Islander country just blacked out. (laughs) Just (laughs) blacked out because you get that Coleman breakaway goal off the lob pass from Gord. And before you're even able to recover from that happening, you get Palat scoring... What twelve seconds later on a rush off yeah. the next faceoff to make it two one and then eye on the country coming back from their blackout are just <laughs> nauseous. Everybody is <laughs> sick to their stomach. What the hell just happened after going up one nothing and all of a sudden they're down two to one and they're unable to recover. Point and maroon spread the scoring out in the third and just when you thought maybe they had a shot at even in the series at two two. They go down a three one hole. Yeah.
1: And I think that was I, I kinda wrote it, I did a three takeaways for NYI Obviously check that out. when oh, you get the chance, some great coverage there, all playoffs long and, and going into the offseason. But one of the things was that my thought process, one that, that it was a twenty seconds, twenty-seven second span between the first goal that Brock Nelson scores and then I think the last goal that the Lightning score in that in that stretch, right? So my thought, my feeling was that re- that was essentially the 27 seconds that changed that game and changed the course of the series, right? Because the Islanders win that, or the Islanders take the momentum and they're able to carry it into the rest of the game. Maybe they don't give up. Maybe they maybe Tampa Bay still ends up tying the game, right? But we saw in the rest of the series that the Islanders can manage to weather the storm once, they, once Tampa Bay has t- tied the game up Or come back. They've managed to find ways to stay in the game. they found ways to come back. That The difference was that it was such a dejecting 27 seconds. Where you have the momentum. (laughs) And then it was gone like that. That's, I think, what made the difference there.
0: Yeah, and it's one thing for that to happen in in game 56 of the regular season. Right. But when that happens in game 4, you're trying to tie a series against a team that... Most people are going to admit you're overmatched in yeah, talent. 100%. And you know what the consequences are if, if you can't pull it off. So, <laughs> yeah. obviously, that was pretty devastating. They couldn't recover from it. And, you know, then it's like, well, this isn't looking good because now you've got to win three in a row against the Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah. Who, who, you know, I picked to win the cup before all this stuff started. So I kind of knew the result. Just reality. toot your own horn there, right? Hey, they no, haven't won shit. the cup yet, and they're down one nothing, So it doesn't look like <laughs> I may not be right. But, but the point is, the only reason why I mention that is because, because you wanted it's to be right. You wanted to say, well, of you wanted to get in. You wanted to get that in early. Of you know, course, brag yes. a little bit.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, but uh, that well, aside, if they don't win, did... now you look like a fool. Just to... a fool. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got it, Christian. But just, fool. just to acknowledge. Got it. So just to acknowledge <laughs> <laughs> that that the Tampa Bay Lightning are a very strong hockey team. You're really trying to derail this thought for me here. <laughs> so it doesn't work out. And their backs are up against the wall. they got to win three in a row. And one thing, one of many things, I suppose, that I have to say about this team is that I think they were presented with almost every situation you could throw at them and wonder, how do they bounce back from that? Are they going to be able to bounce back from that? Yeah. And I think they pretty much passed... Every test when it came to that, whether it was not being able to close out a series literally in the first three, right, against Florida, Washington and, and Philadelphia, the crushing overtime losses to Philadelphia, where in my opinion that's that series should have wrapped up earlier than it did. Shouldn't have went seven games. The Islanders had control of that series, and you know, we won't revisit, but again, just they they've had all these different situations. You have game one getting smacked around eight to two, yeah. and you wonder where the hell is that gonna go. But they come back and and we see you know the Islanders that we're much more familiar with in these playoffs and and they give they give Tampa a series and again they go down three to one after Game Four and you know they bounce back and look they they give a, a very memorable Game Five in which uh, look they they once again had the benefit of Braden Point not being in there we find out after the fact that Pellick was playing with a broken wrist for thirty two minutes which is bananas. Nice. Boychuk slots in for that eleven forward seven D situation. He plays twelve oh four a minute fifty one a shorthanded time. Blocked some shots. Looked pretty good. Took a shot to the gut and lost a skate blade in the first period. Pretty much par rough, for the first Rough day, for Johnny. <laughs> it was a rough day, but kind of standard for him. And look, I, I can't go over every every detail of these games here because we're just running out of time. But uh, obviously. It's a huge game that, you know, you have the these penalties that happened in the last two games, right, just before the end of the third period. Bo <laughs> takes the double minor for high-sticking. You think, oh, God, how's this going to go? They end up killing it off. They end up having to go to double overtime. Yep. Eberly the huge hero, well past due, and was he ever due, and he got a huge, huge goal off the pass from Lee in a play that kind of mirrored one of those overtime winners for Philadelphia. Yes. Right? Yeah, Defenseman yes. has the puck, and instead of being a broken stick, this time it's just a flubbed shot. Yeah. Shattenkirk, man, what happened there? At least me, Mayfield, you couldn't blame Mayfield for a stick breaking on a pass, right, but Shattenkirk right. just flubs a shot. Lee makes a great play off the boards, leads to the two-on-one, they get the game winner, and everybody's happy. And then, look, Game six, it just Nobody's happened the happy. other night. Nobody's happy. Everybody knows what happened. We don't need to go in depth there. And the one thing I'll say is that they, they that was a that was another survival game, and that really was this series for them. I said it while we were talking to Greg. Was that you saw the talent difference between yeah. these two teams, and you saw that that if the Islanders were going to pull the series off, it was it was going to be. You know, just lulling these guys to sleep and, and pouncing on opportunities. And give the Islanders all the credit in the world, they almost did it. They were a goal away from forcing the Game 7. So, you know, it's disappointing it didn't work out. And you have that other double minor going into OT again. And it's funny, the, the momentum shifted in the third period, too. They took the game over, I feel like. They, 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 were, they killed the penalties in overtime. And I think a lot of people are starting to feel good about their chances of winning. They get the... Scrappy goal from Sorelli, and then it's all over. And, and, uh, you know, also, I I guess I I can't not mention Varlamov's celebration after Game 5. I almost forgot about that. But the slide, (laughs) that was fantastic. So, we got to sneak in the hero here before we wrap this thing up. So, uh, sorry, guys, to to rush through the games here. But, unfortunately, we have to be a hard out at the 10 o'clock hour. So, Hero of the Week, let's do it. Hero of the Week brought to you by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company Beer of the Week is... The Alexa Double IPA, a big hop bomb complex in both aroma and flavor with notes of tangerine and tropical fruit. Christian, I believe you went first last week. So I'm going first this time, and I am going with the Game 5 double overtime hero, Jordan Everly, with the huge goal. Way overdue. He delivers. Christian, who is your Hero of the Week?
1: Yeah, I mean, just to bounce off that real quick, Jordan Everly certainly deserves that recognition. The guy was... Battling to get a goal for, I mean, so long in this postseason. and um, For him to get it in that moment, I think, really solidified just what he meant um, for the organization and for the team this year. And I think that that was an important goal just for himself, just to just to finally pot one in a big moment like that for the Islanders. I mean, he's potted them a couple times for the Islanders in big moments, but this one obviously was a huge one to keep their season alive. Um, but as far as my hero of the week goes, Adam Pellick has to be Adam Pellick. Plays thirty-two, nearly thirty-two minutes of game five with a broken wrist. First of all, he logged about half of that time was after he broke that broke his wrist too, because that that pen, that injury happened early on in game five. Right. Trots confirmed right. to us after the Islander season was over uh, in game six, and then he was basically playing on adrenaline. Uh, and really, to, to to hammer that point home, he was playing in big moments in overtime he was playing oh, yeah. late and late in the oh, yeah. late in the last 5 minutes during the third period he was still taking a lot of normal shifts that he would and he was he was doing a good job you would never have realized that if you weren't if you didn't know the fact that he had a broken wrist and i think the and more important thing too is you look at the way the defense played in game 6 without him in the roster right. yeah the the difference was noticeable um And that was the thing that we talked about all season long with the New York Islanders, with Adam Pellick, out of the lineup. Yep. The defense is noticeably different when they don't have him there. In the playoffs, same thing. The defense was noticeably different. They did a good job. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from what the guys did on the blue line. Sure. But when Adam Pellick is not in the roster, when Adam Pellick is not out there, things are much different. And you don't have that guy with the long reach. You don't have that guy with the... Um big body that's, you know, able to throw a few hits. And he's got right. a pretty decent shot on him too. Again, yeah, not to take anything away. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> not sure. to take anything away from anyone else out there. But yeah. um Adam Pelleck certainly has to be your your hero of the week because he did he's he means so much to the New York Islanders, especially the noticeability when he's not there out on the ice. And the fact that he, he basically warrior mentality mentality his way through I think I also just invented a word there. Yes. Yeah, um
0: Warrior mentality.
1: Yeah. He he just he <laughs> warriored through that that fifth game. I mean, that's incredible. The broken wrist, the, yeah. no, the amount and of he time was he has in game the end. six Yeah, they almost pulled it off. So I mean that you, you gotta give credit where
0: credit's due. That's impressive. I like it. Another solid pick. It's always it's nice to have more than one hero. You know, I mean, that just means more than one guy is uh, doing their part. Yeah. You know, good choice. Uh, thank you. I mean, good I've, choice. O- I've only been doing this for 10 years. So you, yeah, I, I think I know what you've, I'm doing. You've done a fairly respectable job. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, folks, fairly respectable. We got to close because we got to close. Don't like that. There there were there, <laughs> there, there were some other things we did want to touch on tonight, but that just means, you know what the good news is? We cover it next week because yeah, we're not. coming back. We're not going anywhere. I've been doing a great job here. You've been doing all right. So I want to send no, a big no, I want you to say I've
1: been doing a great <laughs> job before we sign off.
0: You, you've been doing a great job. So <laughs> big thanks to Greg Wyshynski of ESPN for joining us tonight. Huge thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company for presenting the show. They are the creators of the Barn Rocker Session Ale and official partner of the New York Islanders. Remember, you can order their great beers, brewery, and Barn Rocker merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York and get 15% off with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y. Big thanks to our sponsor, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great service, and great Isles fans. And don't forget to check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com. And make sure you try the new Hockey Night in New York wrap. And last but not least, a big thanks to Tie Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TieTechnology.com. That's T-I-E-Technology.com. For all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week. Tweet Sean. Tell him I'm doing a great job. We got to go. Take care, folks. At Shawnee Hockey. (laughs) Take care, everyone.